Hello, fellow peacemaker. Welcome to episode nine of Make Peace Not Beef. It's your host Lily, and today I have brought onto the show one of my closest friends and ex-roommate, Eliza Tevis, and we're going to talk about our adult friendship, dating, and relationships, and healing from a breakup during the pandemic. This intimate conversation between us is the realest one you're ever going to hear, and this is probably as personal as I will get on my podcast. I do have to preface it by saying that in terms of content, this episode deviates from what I normally do on my podcast, which tends to focus on climate and the environment. I am aware that Make Peace Not Beef is not a podcast about dating and relationships, but relationships, both platonic and romantic, and other kinds of relationships, are a huge part of our life and should be discussed. Plus, I've always wanted to feature one of my best friends on my podcast, so why the fuck not? Today, Eliza and I are going to get personal. We're going to share with you nuggets of wisdom we've distilled over the years in hope of helping you achieve peace and balance in your love life, whether you're single or reeling from a painful breakup. Just a quick reminder that the YouTube version of this episode is a thousand times better, so I strongly recommend you to go on my YouTube channel, Make Peace Not Beef, and check it out. Alrighty, without further ado, over to the recorded interview. Hello, fellow peacemaker. Welcome back to episode eight of Make Peace Not Beef. I am Lily, your host, and today joining me is one of my best friends, Eliza Tevis, and uh, she's also my ex-roommate. So today we're going to talk about the crazy story of how we met and how we became friends and how we decided to live together and how our friendship was one of the best things that has ever happened to both of us. So without further ado, I'm going to let Eliza introduce herself. All that good stuff. Let's go with it. (laughs) Hi, everyone. I am Eliza. I am Lily's ex-roommate and lifelong friend outside of this podcast. I am a technical sourcer. So my professional job is to recruit people for a ride-sharing platform. I started off doing stuff within really cool autonomous vehicle technology. I felt like the team that I was helping build in Toronto was going to change the world and it was very stressful but really really great experience. But outside of that, I'm not a vegan. I'm sorry for everyone uh, who listens to Lily's podcast who are vegans. Um, I believe a lot in what Lily talks about and I'm in full support of it. Um, But I eat meat. (laughs) I do try to reduce the amount of meat consumption I guess from Lily's first podcast, I'm the one who showed her the how not to die book, (laughs) um, which was something that also convinced me as well to try more vegan dishes, but unfortunately didn't make me turn full vegan. But who knows, maybe after listening to more of Lily's podcast, that might be different. When Eliza and I were living together, we've been talking about wanting to do a podcast together for like the longest time. We've listened to so many different podcasts, like Asian Boss Girls, and we're saying like, we have our own version of that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I remember sitting in the living area with Lily and that we used to spend hours just sitting on the couch and talking about the most randomest things. This ideally would have been better in person, but with COVID, you know, we're trying to keep it safe, like, you know, being responsible Toronto citizens. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so without further ado, we're going to first talk about how we met because I think it's it's one of those like once in a hundred year stories. I think this one's actually kind of crazy because Eliza was actually 
the person who gave me my first job. Now, she was not my first boss, but she was my very first recruiter. Eliza, do you remember the story of how we met? <laughs> how could I not? So I used to be, before I joined, I used to be a campus or a university recruiter at a consulting firm. And I remember the first cohort of interns that I ever recruited or that I ever interviewed. And Lily was one of them. So part of the process is you have to attach your transcripts and your resume. And Lily had obviously amazing marks, but such a killer resume. <laughs> we had to interview her, but I believe it was a phone call or was it a video call? Yeah, so, so there was a video screening. I just remember hopping on a call with Lily because you were still at McGill. But I just re remember thinking like, wow, this girl's super smart. She's doing like software engineering at McGill. And you were so, so formal. Even when you were around as an intern, you were just like super formal. We wore suits and like business attire at this consulting firm. I never thought we would ever, ever be close friends. We just didn't have that kind of relationship when we were at work. It's so wild. Every time like I think back to how we met, like, Eliza was, you know, like she she was a recruiter. So she worked in HR for this company that I was applying to. And I was like third year in university looking for internships. Everyone got offers except for me. So then I applied to this consulting firm and Eliza reached out to me. She's like, hey Lily, like, you know, we would like to schedule a call to understand your experiences and stuff. I was so, so, so excited. Like I kid you not, like the first email I sent to Eliza, I addressed her by her last name. So I was like, Dear Mrs. Tevis, I am interested in applying for the summer internship. Thank you so much for considering me, blah, 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 blah. And like yours truly, sincerely, some variation of that. Every time I pull up that email and look at our first interaction and how formal it was, I just laugh because I love how that dynamic shifted. Who would have thought, I like, imagined? <laughs> who would have thought we would have been roommates? Life is so crazy like that. Just yeah. Okay, so let's do first impressions of each other and, and all the contrasting surprises that we found out about each other after living together. Let's go. <laughs> I do want to start with saying that we were, like, I was such a different person. You were definitely such a different person. Like, we have both grown so much over the years. So when I first met Lily, I thought she was such a goody two-shoes. <laughs> I thought she was, you know, this typical uptown Asian girl, super amazing grades, walking this like proper line. She's getting into consulting and she's grinding and working really hard on client site. She was so formal with me. Lily, that email that you brought up, the one where you put, hello, Miss Tevis, yeah. was I remember looking at one of the coordinators on my team and being like, this is the first time anyone has written an email to say, hello, Miss Tevis. Like, I think I was like 20, <laughs> 22 at the time. I was like, I feel old, <laughs> like looking at this email. Like, I don't even know how I feel right now. And yeah, and break. I was just trying to get a job. <laughs> yeah, I think I had visited you once on client site or something like that. Like my impression of you was just this like clean cut, yeah. super formal, very goody two shoes like Asian. Girl. I don't even think I saw you get drunk once. I always felt like maybe people always kept things really formal with me because of this idea that like recruiters are associated with HR. So therefore people have to keep these professional faces, but yeah. that was, Lily was no exception. 
Oh my god. Okay, yes. So that was her first impression of me. Now, let me t- let me tell you my side of the story. So I had this image of Eliza as this ABG kind of girl. Like if you guys don't know what that stands for, it stands for <laughs> Asian baby girl, which is basically like, like the most gangster like motherfucker. Grab your blocks when you see Tupac. And, and <laughs> this girl always wore like stilettos and like super high heels. Were you wearing these platforms? I swear, like, dressed in all black. Like, she looked like she was in a nightclub. And she wore that to the office. I'm like, whoa, like, are you sure this is the recruiter who recruited me? Like, but it's still daytime. Yeah, no, I I, I thought it was cool. I thought, like, you were very, like, defiant and edgy. Like, you were different. You were not afraid to, like, to showcase your personality in the office. Because everybody else was in, like, super tight suits and, like, you know what I mean? Really? I did not know. Th- I always thought that I wore like super, pro- I like what outfit? I'm trying casual. to think back. It was, it was, <laughs> it was definitely, okay. It was definitely smart casual. I would say like, it was very stylish. It looked like. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, I hope, hopefully I wasn't wearing it. No, no, gosh. Short in the office. No, no, no. It wasn't anything inappropriate. It was very stylish. And she would always speak to me like, yo, what's up? I'm like, what? Are you sure we can talk like that at a consulting firm? And I was like, uh, Hi, Miss. Okay, I guess that that's the part where I started calling you Eliza because it felt weird calling you Mrs. Tevin. You're like, oh, call me Eliza. It's okay, kid. <laughs> and yeah. Then started, I, and then we started going like to night. We started partying like that summer when I did my internship, right? And then a year later, when I joined full time, like that's when I really got to know Eliza. Like we we started going to parties together um, through like you know Alex, our mutual friend. I don't even know if he ever like <laughs> listens to this podcast. Yeah. Honestly, I, I feel like like one of our mutual friends, Will, if it wasn't for Will Chung and Alex Wong as well, like just yeah. kind of being these like very social individuals, I don't think our paths would have crossed as much. That's actually so true. I feel like the only time Eliza and I interacted was A, at corporate social events after work, or B, it was at either like Will or like Alex birthday parties or gatherings. And then one day I remember so clearly, like I started giving Eliza dating advice. It was like one day we were playing ping pong at like Spin, I think. This is so many years oh my god yeah <laughs> and, and yeah you're like oh my god i'm going on dates with these guys like what do you think and then we started chatting <laughs> oh my god those are the days yeah spin is like a very uh, i guess for people who don't know and aren't from toronto spin is a very popular ping pong bar in toronto and a lot of consulting or finance firms would yeah. go to it so many memories in that place <laughs> while playing ping pong and sipping alcohol <laughs> Yeah, and that's when I first saw, like, Eliza get really drunk. And, like, trust me, this girl is, like, she shares everything. Like, she's an open book. And I was, like, I had to maintain my professional side at, like, a social gathering because I'm, like, I you never mix personal life with professional, right? Like, I was so surprised when she started telling me about dating and guys because I'm, like, wait, aren't, aren't you not supposed to talk about that, like, with people you recruited? Showing you a whole new world. You know what, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe some people have that kind of philosophy about work where, like, you want to keep those two things separate. But personally for me, like we spend most of our life on this planet actually either working or sleeping. If I'm going to be spending and allocating most of my time to working, I want to feel like I can be myself and I have nothing to hide. I don't know. And I also felt like when it came to interacting with you, I felt like there was some part of you that kept trying to hold back. And how I connect with people is like, let me share a tiny bit of my personal self with you little by little to show you that you can do the same for me. It's kind of like, I can be vulnerable with you 
indicating to you that you can be vulnerable with me. So like dating everyone dates, I might as well share that openly with, with you too. And, and I guess it worked because here we are now. <laughs> it, it definitely worked. And you know, the funny thing is many years later, Eliza and I reconnected and we eventually moved in and became roommates. Never would I in a million years would have thought that I would become best friends with the women who gave me my first job, who recruited me for a company. Um, and the funny thing is over the years, we started to show different sides. Like I started learning about Eliza's vulnerable and emotional side because this woman is a is she's a powerlifting champion for you guys don't know (laughs) she's won the canadian women's championships for powerlifting this this girl's a real badass i i was like a goody two-shoe asian girl but over time i think i've shown eliza a different side of me and she's like oh yeah lily can be pretty badass (laughs) oh for sure for sure that's how we started to discover about each other okay shall we talk about like how we became roommates and how we reconnected yeah oh my god i Reflecting back on it, us becoming roommates was such a like crazy pivotal moment. Before moving in with you, I was hitting a point in my life where I had this feeling that big change was coming. And apologies if I go on a little bit of a tangent, but basically to give you all sort of a backstory, I desperately wanted to live in the heart of it all in downtown Toronto. That was my absolute dream, was to be smack down in the middle of where all the clubs, restaurants, bars, everything was around me and all in walking distance. Like that's everything. And that was the one biggest thing that I desperately wanted. And I just wanted to live this like bougie life. And back then it felt like it was impossible for me to make that move. Every time I visited a friend who lived in downtown Toronto in one of those like downtown condos, I would always get a little jealous and secretly picture my life in one of those units and how freaking happy I would be in them. Like I grew up pretty underprivileged. Uh, My mom immigrated from the Philippines with six of her kids and then had a seventh, which was me um, here in Canada. And she was a caregiver and we lived in community housing and some terrible things happened and we were forced to live in a really cramped, small, rundown apartment complex, which eventually had a bed bug problem. There is a border between North York and Scarborough and we kind of, this this apartment was um, smack down sort of in the middle of that. Um, So for now, I'll just say that it's in Scarborough. Um, But I lived there with my mom and my two brothers. And those were the conditions that I was living in before I moved in with Lily. I was sharing a bed with my mom. I didn't have much personal space. My other siblings who moved out would constantly be barging in. There's lots of yelling, loud noises from other neighbors, and the walls were really thin. So the commute from my place in Scarborough was also more than an hour each way to downtown Toronto where I worked. And so I was getting to a point where I couldn't take it anymore. The commute was really getting to me, and the lack of privacy was really tearing my relationship, um, unfortunately, apart with my with my family. And so I recently got a new job that was paying me way better. I found minimalism. I ended up spending way less and being able to pay off my student debts really, really fast. Um, And then I started to look for a place of my own. And I was still in a fresh new relationship with my now ex. Uh, We'll call him Tony. Tony. (laughs) (laughs) So I was um, looking for a place to live on my own. And that was a really scary thing to go from a really cramped apartment, sharing a bed with my mom to living completely and utterly alone. And that, to be honest, really, really scared me. And I don't know, Lily, if you remember, but I think we were at Alex Wong's birthday party. But I think at one point I was just being vulnerable and open with you again, (laughs) was just trying to sort of tell you like, I am so sick and tired of living uptown. And I was kind of like laying it out for you being like, hey, Lily, 
I'm looking for a place. Um, you invited me to your birthday party. You might've forgotten. And, and your ex-boyfriend was there at the time too. But then- Yes, I do remember that. Yeah. yeah. So that's when I just got my new job at Vice. And then you're like, oh my God, Vice is so sick. I've always wanted to check. I'm like, yeah, yeah, come to Liberty Village. Check out the office. So that's when we kind of reconnected by happenstance. Uh, you know, after two years. So at the time I was living with one of my other really close friends, Leila, but she had to relocate to Argentina for her job. So she was moving out and then I was searching for a new roommate and it just so happened that stars were aligned. Eliza was looking for a place of this. So then I remember on a rainy evening, she and um, Alan, one of our other friends, visited the apartment and Alan managed to convince you like, yeah, yeah, just lock that shit down. You know, it's a good place. Yeah, we have Alan to thank for bringing us together because I'm not going to lie, I kind of wanted to live on my own and explore what that was like. But thanks to Alan, he was just saying like, hey girl, living downtown is a lot of freaking money on your own. Like, why don't you go save money and live with this girl? Like something felt like this was meant to be. It was a good sort of gut feeling to have was just like, this is, you should do this. So glad it was a fateful decision, guys. So, okay, now I got to talk about what happened when she first moved in. So I remember so clearly, so Eliza's uh, ex-boyfriend, Tony, helped her move in. That's an alias, of course. His real name is not Tony, but, you know, to protect his privacy. Layla, my ex-roommate, she was a very, like, feminine um, kind of woman. Eliza, here comes her luggage. It was all, like, ab wheels, like, protein powder, like, box, <laughs> boxes of, like, workout gear. I'm like, whoa, like, is this going to turn into a gym? <laughs> and then the moment she walked in, she's like, yo what's up like I just felt like this place just became a hundred times more ghetto instantly <laughs> <laughs> bring a little bit of Scarborough into yeah the a little bit of like Scarborough women vibes you know <laughs> yeah moving downtown I think Lily's building as well was one of my dream buildings to live in as well which was kind of was kind of nice that eventually it, it all came together but yeah first moving in I I, I think I was totally obsessed with powerlifting. There was something about that sport. Well, obviously it helped me lose a lot of weight because I used to be really, really fat, but it also just helped so much with like my mental health, my confidence and all that stuff too. So coming into to the new place, I, you know, yeah, came in like with the this. whole equipment. <laughs> well, I also first moving in too, I didn't realize Lily was totally into into dancing. Oh, into dancing. So this girl was into powerlifting and I was into dancing. That was actually perfect because we both understood like injuries and like the importance of mobility. So I spent all my day and nights at a dance studio. Like I wasn't really around home that much. And Eliza was like focusing on her workout. So we bonded over like physio and like all that stuff. And she was showing me like, Oh, this is, this is how you should like mobilize your muscles after workout. It was. Yeah. Like, oh, and then you taught me everything about this whole thing called whacking. Yeah. Like, I was like, what is this? Like I'm Filipino and like, obviously, I don't know, Filipinos have a reputation for being very into hip hop, but I yeah. guess I'm kind of a banana on the inside. Yeah. So at the time I was dabbling in like popping, locking, and whacking. These were different funk dance styles that originated on the West coast um, around the 1970s. Right. And, um, so it's it's a pretty old dance style that has been recently revived and i just it's such a powerful and yet feminine like sexy dance style and i was like super into it and so i was i was at the studio a lot taking a lot of courses practicing and then i set up this mirror at home so i can practice my form and everything <laughs> so it was, it was really crazy so eliza and her workouts and me and dancing like it was just such a dynamic house but but i don't think at that point we really started having deep conversations because 
we were both like, like I was out all the time. I, I came back probably at 11 every day and you slept early. Yeah, I agree. I feel like our, our deep conversations slowly unraveled. I think it was also still an adjustment period for myself to get used to living with someone that, you know, wasn't my family and, and sort of like navigating this idea of, of having a roommate. So it took a while to adjust. I mean, I, I find myself to be an open book, but I didn't realize how open I could be with someone until I moved in with Lily. The power. And, and the funny thing is, even though Eliza and I, you know, we weren't super close friends before moving in, but just something about her, I just had a good feeling. I just like a gut feeling. You felt that too, right? Yeah. Something in my gut was telling me that this was it. Like you need to do this. And it took it took just an, an Alan, a, a mutual friend to just be like, yeah, you need to also save money, like stick that gut feeling, but you also should save money, girl, because <laughs> you just paid off your student yeah. debt. The funny thing with Eliza was like, I, I can already sense like this woman, she's got a lot of emotions. I could sense that it was a wide spectrum of emotions. Like she, when she feels joy, she probably <laughs> And when she feels anger, she's like, oh, I got to just get it after the workout. And I already sensed like, I, I could feel the, like, the undercurrent. <laughs> but that was that was my initial thought. But over time, it kind of like proved my hypothesis. I really started to learn about her relationship uh, with her ex, with her family, with her career. And then I had a deeper understanding of Eliza over time. And then I sort of took on this like therapist slash journalist role. I think in the two years that we had lived together, I discovered so much about myself that I wasn't able to before. And I think a lot of that obviously had to do with this lack of, of space to be able to self-reflect a lot, but also not having someone that I felt completely and totally comfortable opening up to about those parts of myself. Like even with Tony, my ex, like I didn't feel like I had that deep of a of a friendship or a bond to talk about the, the actually, I mean, in all honesty, I, I feel like I tried to at some points, but Tony wasn't exactly the most emotionally deep person. So like, I kind of just threw that out of the way. But having Lily as kind of that therapist, like if you listen to Lily's past podcast, it's true. I, I really do feel like she's a therapist for a lot of her friends. And I think it's because she asks the right questions to get you thinking about things in a different kind of way, rather than trying to take her opinion on the matter and forcing it on you. It's kind of her getting you to that conclusion, or maybe to some other conclusion that I think this open-mindedness that Lily has, that has been like super duper helpful, for sure. Like I needed that. Yo, I needed that. <laughs> like, <laughs> in that like critical stage of my life, I think those two years were like, necessary growth. Had I not met you, I think I would be in a very, very different place in life. And I am very grateful for that, man. I'm like, yo, yo, this was like a legit, (laughs) this was like a legit game changer. Like I learned so much from Eliza too, and not just from her relationships, but her upbringing, because in many ways, Eliza and I are very different because she grew up in like an underprivileged household with like six brothers and sisters. For me, I was born as the only child into like this upper middle class. My parents didn't spoil me, but I had all the attention that I wanted. Like I was pretty much given anything I wanted. So I, growing up as a child, I never had to work hard for anything that I wanted. And, and everything was kind of smooth sailing in my life until now, of course, with my podcast, I start to, to see challenges that I have to tackle. But and climate change being one of the biggest ones and that's my mission but um like looking at eliza and just the resilience that she has built over the years and how she sort of like climbed the corporate ladder her racks to riches tale really really inspired me <laughs> like it really did um and another thing i want to talk about was 
while we were living together, Eliza the entire time was in um, a long-term relationship with her ex-boyfriend. And for me, I think for the most part, I was pretty much single. Um, I don't know, I was hooking up. For the most part, I was single. So I kind of was like this outside observer, really observing um, my female friends' relationships with their partners. Because I was an objective outsider, I was able to see all the problems in the relationship and all the points of miscommunication that sort of elevated those, those conflicts. And I can see the tension building up, but it was hard for you to see it because you were personally involved. And that's where those late night conversations started to come about. Because at one point, I think Eliza started opening up to me that she felt a little bit insecure in her relationship with her mm-hmm. boyfriend. You want to expand on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one other point just kind of building on, on what you were saying earlier too, is like, you know, you being an outsider looking in, learning from my, let's, let's be real here, my mistakes um, is true. But I also think what was super helpful was watching you go through this whole dating experience as well, meeting some pretty phenomenal guys that are out there that really changed your perspective on a lot of different topics. And maybe that'll be another talk for another day. But being able to learn from those mistakes on your own from those maybe, you know, slightly shorter relationships or shorter stints, but being able to take that and maybe even apply it into my situation too, it's super helpful. Overall, I'm looking back at my relationship with Tony and I would say it was very necessary for my growth. I'm forever grateful for Tony. I wonder if he's ever going to listen to this podcast and realize that he's the person I'm talking about. When I first started dating him, I was still living in Scarborough. I was such a different person. He was the first nice guy (laughs) that I had dated in a really long time. He had kind of ticked off these boxes of things that I thought at the time were the only things I really, really needed in a relationship. So I wanted someone who was really into fitness, especially powerlifting. And I also wanted someone who was just really kind, kind of like a a lovable teddy bear, like can be really, really strong, but just really, really kind at the same time. And those were my only two requirements. We were kind of at the same point in our lives when we first started dating. And what I wasn't expecting is that for me to grow so fast in those two years to the point where I had realized that I was the only one that was growing in the relationship and that this idea that that maybe I should be looking at other parts of a person's personality, especially their willingness to grow as a person and be open-minded, be a little bit more empathetic. I never thought that these were things that I needed in a relationship and living with Lily made me realize and unlock a part of myself that I didn't realize was something that I was and that I I wanted in a partner as well. At some point I realized I was growing and he wasn't and it was an unfortunate turn of events and Lily feel free to to chime in from a third party perspective. <laughs> what did you think of my relationship? Yeah, no, of course. So, no, absolutely. I I I want to concur with everything that Eliza has just said. And, you know, for the longest time, um, I was like, this is none of my business. I shouldn't be commenting on, on her relationship. But over time, as Eliza and, and my relationship deepened, of course, as her friend, you know, I want her to be happy and I want her to, to feel fulfilled in this relationship. And I was the voice of reason a lot of the time because I was able to observe and analyze the relationship objectively from a you know third perspective. And what I saw was a lot of 
anxiety and insecurity on Eliza's side, you know, despite her being this amazingly like accomplished and ambitious and intelligent woman, but still like in front of her man, I felt like made yourself feel less of a person. Like maybe it's just something that you subconsciously did. It was almost like you were putting down yourself to lift him up. And, and I can resonate because I think when I was younger, I definitely did that among guys that I like. But during that few years that I was single, I really started to work on myself. And I realized how important it is to first learning to love yourself. Like, like um, Ajay, who featured on a previous episode that I recorded yesterday said like, love is a gift that you give to others. And when, when you don't have it, you know, you really cannot give it to someone else. And Michelle, one of my friends who recommended Daniel's last comedy to me, in the comedy Jigsaw, he kind of mentioned, you know, most people just employ someone to love them because they don't know how to love themselves. And, you know, when your standards are low, right? Like, when you don't know what it feels like to be loved, when you don't know how to love yourself properly, someone else comes in and only gives you 20% and you think that is 100% and you feel completely satisfied. So... I saw that a lot. Like that was a recurring theme in Eliza's relationship. Like Tony was a perfectly nice person. Like she said, he was very kind. He was very caring in a lot of ways. He's very considerate, but it, I, I always felt as a, as a third party observing your relationship, I always felt that like you felt insecure that, that something was holding him back from being fully transparent with you in the relationship. But over time, I'll get into it, Eliza and I figured out that it was not necessarily that Tony was holding himself back, but rather he didn't gain the same level of self-awareness that Eliza had for herself. He wasn't willing or, or as open to you know, do some soul searching to figure out what it is that he wants. And, and Eliza over time slowly solidified the things that she wanted in a long-term partner in a relationship, but, but Tony didn't arrive at that point. So at that point, I see this discrepancy in stage of life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, were, you guys were sort of diverging. Yeah, it's it just became a point in which we both wanted different things. And I think a lot of people get to that conclusion as well. And it's it's a hard thing to come to terms with. I do believe, you know, the whole 20% thing that you mentioned before, where like, if you've only, you know, been giving yourself 5% of the love and someone gives you 20%, you're like, oh my God, that's so much love. But in reality, someone can give you a lot more. But what I, what I ultimately came to the conclusion was my idea of him giving me 20% is actually Tony's capacity at 100%. So Tony was giving me all the love that he could. He was such a gentleman. He would do so much for me. He was an acts of service type of guy. He was great, but his lack of emotional like capacity, mm-hmm. I would always ask him, I was like, I feel like you're, you're not giving it your all. And he's like, this is it. I do love you. Like, this is everything that I have. So I come to realize that his 100% is yeah. my version of 10, like 20%, mm-hmm. like my version of a hundred percent. He, he got a good deal. <laughs> he got him. He got a pretty oh. damn good deal. I'm going to say it right now. I'm a pretty damn good girlfriend. He's an excellent girlfriend. I, <laughs> I am. I <laughs> will put it there, but I also have learned a lot about how much I can give to. And I think when I was living with Lily, it was definitely something I agree. It was definitely something very hard to come to terms with, but loving myself and this idea of finding what I really want took time because I didn't even know the type of person that I was. I hadn't solidified the type of character I was because I was constantly evolving. The person that I was when I first started living with Lily is definitely not the person that I was when I left that apartment that Lily and I live in. And it's definitely not the person that I am today. And that's something I have to consider when I look into like a future partner as well as someone who can 
grow with me because I'm always going to be growing. There's always going to be challenges that are going to be there. And I think now I've come to this conclusion and thanks to Lily is that I need someone who can just keep up. <laughs> with that. Oh, yeah. Like your girl's got a lot of things happening in life. I got a lot of ambitions as well. They're very different from what Lily's doing, but what's great about this friendship is we push each other to kind of do a lot of different things. There we go. I, I totally agree with what you've said. It was not the fact that he was holding himself back, but rather that was all he had to offer. And at that point, like looking at your relationship really made me realize like the key to sustaining a long-term relationship is to be aligned in, in your values and ambitions and making sure that your, your missions are aligned because you're going in different directions. Like if one person wants to go up, but the other person is happy staying where he or she is, it's very hard to progress the relationship. Mm -hmm. and Absolutely. I, what I saw was Eliza had this internal drive, whether it was professional ambitions or to, to further understand herself, she had this drive to know herself better and to build a better relationship with her partner. But from what I've seen, like Tony was, was satisfied where he was, or maybe he was, he was not satisfied. Like he wasn't an action oriented person. It's like, unfortunate. There was a yeah. lot of inertia on his end. <laughs> and, and of course this podcast is not to put down Tony anyway. Like Tony is really, really an amazing guy. And I'm just talking about a lack of fit. And sometimes yeah. if you guys are like young and in your early twenties, you're like, you're like, yeah, I'm in love with my boyfriend and girlfriend. But you know, like dating in your <laughs> teens versus dating in your twenties versus dating in your thirties, you search for something different, right? Oh, hells yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things I really got out of there that I feel like a lot of people eventually learn, especially if they're looking for a life partner, is that love and compatibility, love and long-term compatibility are two different things. You can be madly and deeply in love with someone. And that's what I felt with Tony. But you're, you have to view compatibility in the long term as, as different criteria. And it is, especially if you hold yourself to a very, very high standard. And if you love yourself, and if you don't want to, you know, there are things you can compromise on, but you have to know exactly the things that you should not compromise on the blend between the two is a very, very rare, it's a pretty hard match to come by. Yeah. There are a lot of people that are out there and therefore you should explore and, and, you know, be open to dating and find people like that. But just know that even if you really, really love someone, sometimes you got to look at it as they may not be the person for you in the long term. No, I have to agree with everything you said. I think one thing I should bring up is that that personality quiz that we did, which was really interesting. And we were, yes, we, we were, we were soulmates, but yeah, tell the audience about. Everyone should look this up, go, go on Google, search this up. It's the first thing that'll pop up. If you look at 16 personalities test, kind of similar, if not the same to the Myers-Briggs test, I was slowly still discovering myself, still figuring out who I was. And I, I took this test. I am a INFJ in case anyone would like to know. So I love this test, but I also wanted to understand the people close to me, what their personalities were. So then I introduced it to Lily and Lily, you want to tell us about what you got? on Yeah, sure. So Eliza was INFJ and then I actually got ENFP. So what was, what was the title for your uh, personality? Do you remember? It was the, oh man. You look it up, look it up. But anyway, I got the, the campaigner. Yeah. And the funny thing was, I was literally like working. I was at work. And then I got this text message from Eliza. Like, yo, you got to do this personality text. And we like, we got to discuss it tonight when you come home. So I, I, I did the personality quiz. And then I got the campaigner. So the funny thing was, um, Eliza and I, based on our personality types, we're actually like soulmates. <laughs> like, too bad that I'm yeah. a girl I can't marry you. But we're actually soulmates. But we're like, holy shit, this, this 
finally everything makes sense why you know we instantly felt compatible with each other even though we were very different <laughs> mm-hmm. i am the advocate okay. um yeah it, it was funny because we were like yeah this this totally makes sense like how we live together everything like just felt really really right and then I made Tony take that test <laughs> and it said that it would be very, a very, very hard relationship. And I was like, yo, this test is telling me exactly what I feel every single day in this relationship right now. Like, <laughs> you got here. So, so then I was like, Eliza, if you ever become single again, make sure to put down your like, you know, your Meyer Briggs personality on your dating profile. So <laughs> which I did, which I did. But yeah, Lily, what about you? What did you get out of this whole thing? And what was what were the jobs, Lily, that oh, came out of that? Now she's career? prodding me. Yes. For those of you who don't know, um, I joined Vice as a software engineer, but then I also launched my freelance journalism career while I was there. That's something I've always wanted to do. So then I took this quiz, and then journalists became like one of the top professions that was <laughs> for me. I'm like, oh shit, like I've always felt like I was meant to do this. I knew it. And then everything made sense because every time Eliza and I have a conversation, I'm always the one asking questions and then I get her to answer. And then based on her answers, I then ask her the deeper questions that prod her further. And then I was like, yeah, Eliza, like it makes sense. You know, you are meant to express yourself. And I also express myself, but in the form of questions, like I, I provoke people to think. I provoke people mm-hmm. to discover more about themselves. Funny how we're now in a podcast. <laughs> And, and now I, Who I knew after all these years, after all these years. And I was like, you know, well, in a, in a way, a podcaster is independent journalism slash op-ed piece, right? Like in the form of, you know, oh, for sure. so it, everything just made sense. And then he sort of both like went with the conclusions. I took on even more of the role of a journalist, like really trying to like channel my journalist energy. And Eliza was really channeling her, like, you know, her compassionate side because she's such a people's person. <laughs> And at the time, I was I was applying for Harvard, and I also applied for Columbia Journalism School. I got into both, by the way, but <laughs> I, I, Which I, I was so so proud of. Oh, thanks, but unfortunately, I had to defer. I thought I'd be in Harvard by now, but I had to defer because of the pandemic. But um, so I was applying for Harvard. I wanted to study climate policy and something to do with tech. And then all these conversations. So Eliza, okay, what's one thing you learned about me while living with me? It's really important. <laughs> what's That's one thing? My. I guess, well, obviously it's your drive to like do a lot of different things like, yes, all the time. That, that, yes, that, but aside from that, <laughs> but like the reason why I even made this podcast. <laughs> well, I don't know where we're going with this, but like you were very, very deeply like into like climate change and what was happening. So we used to have these like deep conversations <laughs> into the night that would freak the shit out of me because we would be like, oh my God, the world is dying. <laughs> and we would just sit and we would talk about it for so long. And we're trying to figure out the root cause of it. Obviously a lot of like overpopulation, but also just like these lack of policies. And then you were just like, I need to change the world. And yeah. so, and you were like, I think it's time to go and do grad school. Yeah. And like grad school had been something for me that I had always wanted to do as well. But like, I had just gotten out of student debt. And I was like, am I about to go back into student debt? <laughs> Because I'm so, like, we were just hyping each other up. We were like, yo, we're going to do so many crazy things. We were like, yeah, oh my God, we're going to change the world. Funny part is, end of it, yes, Lily got into Harvard and into Columbia. I got into U of T to do my master's. And, like, I went and did my master's. I'm doing my master's. That's the plot twist here. So the entire time, Eliza was was at her job. 
And every day she saw me, I was like late into the evening, like, like writing my application essays for Harvard. And then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go to grad school because we only have 12 years to reverse climate change before shit hits the fan. But the <laughs> funny thing was, I was so convinced that a year from now, Eliza would have like moved in with Tony and I'd be off to like Boston or whatever. In reality, she's the one attending grad school. And look at me, I'm not, I'm not going to school anytime soon. I have to defer it because of the pandemic, obviously. <laughs> the pandemic changed the game. Okay, so here's, here's my whole take on everything is yes, the pandemic is terrible. And it's like, you know, it's, it's doing terrible things to everyone's lives. And obviously everyone's mental health is going to be really freaking shit after this. Let's be real. But I am thankful for the pandemic in, in many ways. If it wasn't for the pandemic, I wouldn't have broken up with Tony. I wouldn't be here. And I'm really glad I'm here. I know it's bad, but I am thankful for what it did. And yes, it changed. I mean, and look at you, Lily, like you were supposed to go to Harvard and and like full time and do that. But but now you're doing something that we've always talked about doing anyways, which was doing a podcast. And yes. that that I think is like super great. Like that goes back to everything that we talked about. Like you be doing like journalist things like this is fantastic. This is you following exactly what your personality test yes. <laughs> was telling you to do <laughs> not what my dreams tell me what my personality <laughs> tell me to do i'm following that yeah. you better be right six personality if you screw up my life then and i mean look at you like you're being presented eliza recently has been presented with so many career options like i'm so happy for her <laughs> it's been a it's been a wild ride for sure it's been a lot of self-discovery during the pandemic uh it's been it's still weird I, I'm definitely, and, and Lily and I talked about this a lot, but I'm, I'm such a relationship kind of person. I like being in a relationship. I get a lot of fulfillment out, out of it. I know I have great friends. I think this like adult friendship that we have is really, really great. But having a really solid partner, having that kind of dynamic would be really great. But yo, it's really hard to date during <laughs> a pandemic. But I, I am thankful for the time I get to myself to discover who I am on my own and what I am on my own. But yeah, no, I, I love that. And you know what? Like you make me think so deeply about relationships because like very different from you, I guess I see myself as this kind of like soloist entrepreneur kind of person. Like maybe mm. when I was younger, I was more into dating. But then I think after I hit 25, I just became very like focused about this whole climate mission thing that I've completely shopped dating aside. But then you were still in a relationship. So then you were like this committed, loving girlfriend. And then <laughs> I think, but then, but then you also had a side that resonated with my like ambition. So then you felt torn right? Like I felt so torn. I think that's a great way of sort of describing it is I have these two sides of myself that are in constant fight with each other. There's one who wants to settle down, be in a relationship, live a very simple life. Like I get a lot of fulfillment of, you know, helping someone else achieve their goals and mm. being that sort of like supporter. And then there's this other crazy type A side of me that's <laughs> like, you need to grind and you can do so well and you can take more on at work like don't settle do other things outside of your comfort zone and so it kind of builds this anxiety where you're like oh things are changing but i'm also the one that's instigating these changes that's right. but like i'm very uncomfortable and i want to retire but no i have to keep going it's kind of like a 
a long-term battle. And that was a huge topic of like a lot of the late night conversations that we used to have. But we used to talk about issues outside of just like our relationships too. I mean, we talked a lot about climate change, which was obviously like a really scary topic to talk about. We talked about social inequality, which is something that I really, really care about. And like, women's reproductive rights don't even get me started on that girl like that I will go off black lives matter that was a huge topic in our household (laughs) for days it's still a huge topic for sure 100% but yeah I don't know what was your favorite topic of our late night conversations so at the time um when we were living together I read so many books on climate change it was like book after book and then I would just like spurt out like random statistic I'm like did you know that like there's gonna be 250 climate refugees by 2050 did you know that two-thirds of the world said you're gonna be on water by and I scared the shit out of Eliza and she's like oh shit we're all going to shit and Eliza was like something extremely terrible has got to happen or else we're just going to carry on with our lives. And then we kind of predicted the We kind yeah. of. <laughs> oh my God. Do you remember like pre-pandemic, like yeah. we were just like sitting at home. This was 2019, I think like November or something like yeah. that. And we were just like sitting down. You were like typing away at your laptop. I'm like lying on the couch or usual yeah. stances. And I'm, we're, we're just thinking like, you know what? I think 2020 is going to be an interesting year. <laughs> Wow. And we were talking about like, things need to come to it, like some major disaster or something has to happen to like really alter the minds of like policymakers and and people who have some sort of influence in order for us to really reverse the effects of climate change. And whoa, whoa, did the like pandemic, (laughs) like just like one out there, we really sent that we really put that energy out into the universe. Yeah, yeah, that's why when 2021 came along, I was like, we're not saying this. We're not saying 2021 is our, like, I just want to survive. I'm good now. <laughs> but if you think about it, like, it, yeah. there has been a lot more, yeah. like, organizations that are really, you know, putting a magnifying glass on climate issues, which is fantastic. I think this is a, a wake-up call for what could potentially happen more issues could come up due to climate change too so it's scary but it's also like such an intriguing conversation that Lily and I would stay up till like really late into the night talking about stuff like this but I feel like it really opened up my eyes I think what I appreciated a lot about living with Lily is that you know I would just be lying on the couch or like exhausted from work and she would just be feeding me all this news about what's happening in the world and like giving us both a chance to kind of like pick apart all these things, share our opinions, and it'd be like a totally open space that we both felt completely comfortable. That was just the dynamic we had. It kind of sort of helped elevate us a little bit more and, and push us to to really try to action on it. And we were both action-oriented people, so it just became like nonstop actioning. Totally. <laughs> yeah, like ever since I talked to Eliza about like um, climate change and like Every single day after, she'd be, like, sending me, like, articles on, like, zero-waste groceries, like, minimalism, like, all the relevant articles. I love those. Yeah, I keep that shit coming. Um, The other thing, though, just looking at time, um, but I also want to talk about your breakup and what led to it and how you coped with it. I mean, I had been thinking about moving in with Tony for, for quite some time. Like, we weren't even a full year into living together, and Tony at the time had proposed the idea of us moving in together. I wanted to try this. I was in the mindset of like, yes, 
I would like to actually try to live with my significant other. And I think I can make this work. I mean, I desperately love this guy that I will make it work. And looking at it now from my current lens without like the rose colored glasses, I definitely think I could have made it work, but I think I would have been extremely miserable and very, very compromising. Unfortunately, one of the things that Tony suffers from is this inability to act on things. He was very unhappy with a lot of his life, but there was always this lack of action. So it was more words than it was action. So when he had proposed the idea, I was super excited. Let's action this right away kind of thing. Um, but then unfortunately due to some personal things, we had to kind of postpone it. We were reaching our two year anniversary. So we were at a point in which we were actually looking to purchase a condo unit together and sort of combine our finances into this like investment of, of a property. We we're looking at it and everything was great. And then we were about to head on vacation. But it was that trip that sort of def, uh, sort of brought up a lot of issues um, between Tony and I. Um, and it made me discover that we weren't as compatible as I thought. Um, for, for the listeners who are listening, who might be wondering like what this incompatibility issue is, can you just give them a rough idea of like what the problem was? Tony is the type of person that is very primal. Now, again, going back to what I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I was looking for someone who was really, really strong and really, really kind. You can find those two things in a very primal individual. But with that very primal mindset also comes some downsides, especially really, really manly guys. They lack this emotional component, this vulnerability with themselves, or this like this ability to be able to tap into their emotions. How, how do I put this? Cool. So, um, you know, Eliza and I debated for a little bit and we decided to share with you guys exactly what happened. Okay, so Eliza, take it away. Yeah, we decided to take a vacation together around the time that we were looking at buying a place together. So the idea was that we would meet up in Japan after I was done work in Seoul, South Korea, and then we would have a great vacation and then we would come back. Um, and this is November 2019. Tony and I have never argued, we never fought before, but there was a tiny bit of tension that happened on our trip. Just with a tiny bit of tension, all of our insecurities and all of my fears had come to life and we had a discussion and I realized that we were no longer on the same page. And I can't believe that I'm saying this, but I do feel like it's necessary to kind of just say it out loud exactly what he had said to me, because I think it was like a life-changing sort of statement. Basically, I was asking him, I felt like him and I were kind of drifting apart, and I asked him if something was wrong. And he said that basically, <laughs> this, is, this is a lot hard. Okay, so uh, for a while in our relationship, obviously over time, intimacy uh, physical intimacy between two people tends to fade away. And during the trip, I definitely felt like we were on different pages about that. And my insecurity was boiling up to a point where I had to ask him what was wrong. And basically during the trip, he had opened up to me and said, as a man or as human beings, we are actually not meant to be monogamous, especially when it comes to men, given how their biology is like, they're meant to spread their sperm or their semen out so that they can impregnate a lot of women and be able to carry on the, the line and all that stuff. This whole idea of monogamy is like a social construct and all this stuff. And basically, because of that, biologically, men don't find as much fulfillment, I guess, within a long-term relationship. And that's why that spark fades because guys are 
biologically not meant to be like that. And he he's spoken to some of his other guy friends as well who are in long-term relationships and they feel the same way. And that really hurt me. It, I took it as he no longer felt the same way about me or he was no longer attracted to me. And so what I said back to him was basically, I don't agree with that because I still felt the same amount of love and the same amount of this want for him that I felt when we first started dating. And when he heard that, it sort of broke him. It was the first time I saw him cry. It was the first time that I really, really broke down in front of him. And it was a really, really tough conversation to have. After he had told me this, I obviously went back home after Japan to talk with Lily and I kind of burst out crying and told her what he had said. And we kind of looked it up. We did some research. We kind of looked up what he was kind of mentioning. And then that sort of like, there's a lot of things on the internet that will reinforce his way of thinking. But what we also discovered is there's also a lot of girls who think this kind of way about relationships. What I realized too, and I know Lily, you're going to say this because I got this from you, is that if we're looking for people who are like Tony, we're going to find them and we're going to find these opinions on the internet. But what I will tell you now is that if you're looking for people who are more in tune with their emotions, who, who are the type of people that can stay in very long-term and happy relationships, mm-hmm. you can also find that as well if you're looking for it. So, you know, my advice is don't lose hope at that point. Like I definitely went through a bad state of like, oh my God, if I'm attracted to this one type of guy, am I just going to keep attracting primal guys like this all the time? And it was a scary thing that you and I had to sort of like help me through (laughs) most of the pandemic. (laughs) I think, I think we, we both realized that one of his greatest flaws was his obstinacy, that he was so sure of himself, that he was so stubborn, that he wasn't open to the idea of that he could possibly change his way of viewing the world. Like if something negative happened, then he was like, well, then I'm destined for failure. Like, that's just how things are. Um, yeah. And he didn't take matters into his own hands. And that's what I didn't like, because I'm all about like, you know, my podcast is all about like, you are in charge of your own destiny and your own mm-hmm. fate. So, so, so don't be in that victim mentality where you say someone else has control. But Internal locus of control. Yeah. There we go. There we go. Okay. How did that, that event lead to, to the breakup though? Like, yeah. So guess what, listeners? I didn't actually break up with him after I had discovered that he was so primal to the point where he couldn't, you know, sustain a very emotionally connected relationship. When you're so deeply in love with someone and you were already planning a future together, we were looking at condo units together. He had met my mother. That, that is rare. I do not, I do not intro you to my mama unless I'm so fucking serious about you. Our lives were so intertwined and it took, took a pandemic to get to that point. So as soon as lockdown hit, unfortunately, there were a lot of layoffs that happened and he got laid off. And at the time, I want to be there to support him as much as I can emotionally. I remember thinking like, I'm going to be here for this guy. Like this is a really shit thing to happen to him. I'm the best girlfriend ever. Let's, Let's keep adding that to the best girlfriend list. And then he called me and he basically said, like, hey, like, I asked him, you know, how are you feeling? And he was like, yeah, I'm feeling better. I'm actually looking at new opportunities. And I was like, this is awesome. And he said, actually, one of the opportunities that I've been looking into that I really, really want uh, is actually in Vancouver. 
And then that's where everything kind of changed, where I kind of took a step back and I was like, so what does that mean for us? Mind you, this is right after the whole trip in Japan. Things are already really shaky between us. I'm still recovering from what he had said. And, and so I, I got really upset. How do you feel when someone that you love and that you think to spend the rest of your life with that we were already thinking of moving in together tells you that they want to take a job in Vancouver. So I realized then that in like the hardest way possible that we just weren't on the same page. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if the pandemic didn't happen, I don't think I, we would have broken up because he wouldn't have looked at that opportunity in Vancouver. He would have stayed where he was and we would have still been going through the motions. So again, when I say, I know the pandemic's really bad, but there's some good that came out of it too. And it was painful at first. It, and Lily had to help me through a lot of that. And thank you for that, Lily. But it was necessary. It was, I had the pandemic and him having to lose his job, unfortunately, was the, the stepping stone for me to make the right decision and to get out of something that I should have probably gotten out of earlier. Let's all be real here. If Whenever time you talk to someone about a relationship and like breaking up with them, I think like, you know, some people ask like, do you have any regrets? Every single time I think about my relationship, I'm like, I probably should have broken it up earlier. <laughs> like, it's always about like, always that. I was blind. Um, so for all you listeners who are listening and wondering, why didn't I say anything when Eliza first told me about what happened after the trip? Um, actually, I think that was the first time that Eliza saw me like really flip. Usually I'm very chill. I'm like very stoic, right? But that was the time where I found out what he had said to her. Like, he didn't, you know, he didn't mean to hurt her, but how I interpreted it, like, like that was out of line. So I was so cheesed and I was like, you need to break up with him now. And she, <laughs> Eliza was like, but, but how can you say that? And, and then that put me in a difficult position because the entire time while Eliza was in a relationship with Tony, I was always the one like helping her try to sort out the problems mm -hmm. in her relationship so that it would work. But at yeah. that point, after hearing that in my head, I just knew like this wouldn't work. But you know, as a friend, all you can do is advise. You don't really want to push someone to get to a stage where they're, they're not comfortable being. But at that point, even I blurted out those words. I said, you need to break up. Like those were my honest thoughts. But then, you know, they decided to give things another shot. So I just stayed quiet. I'm like, okay, if she and Tony were to ever break up, she has to reach that stage organically, right? Like you say, you always wish mm. broken up with someone earlier, but the, but the truth of the matter is you have to go through every stage of that in order to fully exactly. be convinced that you're, you've made the right decision for yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I know. Uh, I always say like my biggest regret is I didn't end it earlier. But if I had ended it earlier, there always would have been this what if I did this instead, I could have saved us. It probably this relationship shouldn't have lasted as long as it did. Just given just how different we were, like even fundamentally about what we wanted in life too. Because I am stubborn and I mean, I mean, resilient, but I, I would say more stubborn, if anything, is that Lily watched me go through not only the breakup, but just this weird situation where we still hung out afterwards, kind of as friends. I think I reached a point where I thought like I was completely over him. And I just, it's the pandemic. I, you're not allowed to go out and like meet a lot of people and like really make those connections in a very genuine way. The pandemic made things feel a lot lonelier. We thought, like, you know, we could be friends. In my head, I thought I could be. And I think he kind of solidified the idea that we were, we were friends. Um, unfortunately, because he had a, I think this is going to be the part that I'm going <laughs> to kind of tell everyone. So 
Everything about the apartment that Lily and I lived in reminded me so much of Tony. And the only way I could really move on was to actually, unfortunately, move on from the apartment. So there was a moment in which, like, it was really hard for me to get to that point. I just sort of had to tell Lily, like, hey, I, I'm actually going to move out <laughs> and go live with a close friend of mine who I have been friends with since we were children in, in high school. Um, she also came out of a, I think it was seven-year relationship or five or seven-year relationship and she wanted to stay downtown as well and not go back to Scarborough and she was like hey if you're looking to move I think we should move in together mm-hmm. and that's what sort of happened so um so I stayed friends with Tony and he helped me actually move into my new place with my now roommate slash um good friend and basically what ended up happening is that sometimes we would hang out and my roommate would be there uh it came one night that my roommate approached me and she basically told me, hey, I just want to let you know, Tony um, has actually been messaging me. Um, Dun, dun, dun. And I was definitely hurt by that. I think I I was in shock at first. Um, So how he got her number is basically we were at um, Home Depot looking for something, but my phone wasn't working. And so I asked my roommate to text him on my behalf. And that's how he got a hold of her number. I didn't think for a moment that he would use that as a way to kind of talk to her <laughs> because she's also one of my closest friends as well. Like as soon as she got those messages, she was like, I need to tell you that this is happening right now so that you know, and you are aware and are you comfortable with this? And I also want to let you know that as your friend, I have no feelings for Tony and I'm literally just receiving these messages and I haven't responded because I want to be respectful of you. And that was like the nicest thing ever. Um, It took me a while. I got really hurt by it. And that's where I had to end it. And he was confused by it. I was angry. I was like, how do you not know why I like need some space? Like, how dare you not read between the lines that I am not okay with all of this? Did you not think for a moment that like my roommate would tell me that you are trying to hit on her? Like, I was so furious at the time because how could someone that I love so much hurt me that way? Like, how could he not see that by him trying to hit on my roommate that that would be okay. Like if that was like any grounds and, and it just made things awkward. It's like, what if they, what if she did like him? Like, what would that mean for our dynamic? We just signed a one year lease together. And already there's this like awkwardness between uh, my roommate and I because of this. And obviously I don't blame it at all. And like, she was literally like, I, I don't have feelings for him and all that stuff. But I think it was everything had sealed the deal. Sometimes you cannot be friends with your ex and that's okay. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I agree with the bulk of what Eliza has to say. I, you know, from my perspective, they were not on the same page and they were not from the same world. And they were two people who moved and, and thought of things and looked at the world differently. So it was just completely clash of values. Like, for example, when you were still grieving the relationship, he had already moved on because maybe as a man, he compartmentalized it. He's like, yeah, well, technically I'm single. Like you said, like I'm allowed to hit on girls and her roommate happened mm-hmm. to me all the time. So logically there's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. you know, sometimes we can't just operate on logic alone, right? The fact that he was so out of tune with, with emotion and just basic, like this is basic emotional intelligence. I remember like how 
like after that happened, you're like, Lily, I gotta talk to you. Then so then she came over to our old place. I like stormed into the old apartment being like, girl, we need to talk. Yeah, we need to talk. You I got no some idea. hot goss. <laughs> you have no idea what just happened. Like the crazy drama. <laughs> so I remained calm the entire time and I listened to the story. And the first thing I noticed was not even what Tony did, but I was like, you're not over him. So don't deny it, girl. Because the fact that he still triggers a reaction in you is a sign that you're not over him. So yeah, like of course you and I, we were both shocked that he, he would do this because it's so common sense to not do something like this. So I was like, do you see how it was a blessing that you guys broke up? The fact that he did this is nothing but proof that he is not the one for you. Oh man, like imagine like being in a relationship five years down the line and having him do that. That would have been like even worse. But looking back at that, what I realize is, is that healing is two parts. I thought I had healed and I thought I was over him because I'd never wanted to get back into a relationship with him. But what other people don't realize is that that other part, the part that is that makes you that made me angry, you can you can be confident in not getting back together with someone, but you can still love someone. And then there's other parts that I ended up discovering about this whole, you know, breakup where I still didn't heal from what he had said in Japan. I still didn't heal from a lot of those different things. So Healing is something that takes a lot of time and it comes in parts. So yes, when you said to me, I don't think you're over him. And I said, yes, I said that with confidence because I wouldn't go back to him. But I think there were still lingering parts of me that still cared about him enough to do some sort of reaction from me, but I would never go back to him. I still would. And now it's even more stronger. Like I don't give a crap. that's, That's really great. Um, okay. So I guess to, to sum it up for our listeners, I want you to talk about like the key takeaways, the things that you've learned in this relationship and after the breakup, how did you make peace with the breakup and how did you arrive at that? Yeah. So the first thing that I learned and I mentioned this earlier is that love, this feeling of love and compatibility, they are two separate things. And if you're looking for a life partner, you need both. (laughs) That's going to be something that will take time for you to understand what are you really looking for. Um, In my case, I had to learn from trial and error. The second thing that I learned, and this was one of the hardest things that I learned, is love yourself enough or know yourself enough to know when you're compromising too much. When you start to lose yourself in another person, it's inevitable when you are in a long-term relationship that both of you take parts from each other, but having enough of like a foundation and enough self-respect and obviously love for yourself to know when you need to stop and when compromising is actually bringing you down more than it's bringing you up. And what I learned is having really good friends (laughs) makes a world of a difference to, you know, check yourself, but get a friend to like check on you and be like, Girl, like, t- right. like have someone smack you a little bit and be all like, yeah, this you, you need a, a lily yeah. in your life. Is, oh, is that's so sweet. Life. Everybody heard that? You need a lily in your life. Start <laughs> my channel around and give me a five-star rating in the app. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so sweet, Eliza. Now, um, I'll just talk briefly from my perspective, what I've vicariously learned through Eliza's relationship. And obviously, Eliza has grown 
tremendously, tremendously as, as a human, as a woman, um, and in her career. I definitely noticed that everything kind of started going downhill when she started sacrificing parts of herself to be with this man because mm-hmm. the incompatibility was clear, but you were in self-denial for a very long time because you didn't want to have to confront the truth that perhaps you and him were not meant to be long-term partners. Or mm-hmm. you started to sense this incompatibility, but you were so confident that you, you guys can overcome it together. But you did exactly. not realize that a relationship, it's a dance between two people. And exactly. you are only in control of 50% of it. He has to put in the other 50%. Exactly. Exactly. And I got to a point in that relationship in which I was giving 100% all the time trying to make it work. I was coming into the mindset thinking like, yes, relationships are hard, but if you work hard enough, it can work out. And maybe that is the case for some people. And, and good for you if you have, you know, if you, if you feel like you need to constantly fight for it and it's worth it, you know, do what you need to do. But for me, over time, the fight in me was not worth it anymore. In retrospect, right? So this is, um, I have I have a set of metrics for people who are wondering like, am I in the right relationship? Should I break up with my boyfriend, girlfriend? And, and here is um, the key question you should be asking yourself. Does spending time with that person, like over time, I'm not just talking about when you're hanging out with them, but look at throughout the course of the relationship. For the most part, are you drained by the problems in the relationship or do you feel energized by the positivity that you feed off of the other person? And this is really important because if most of the time you find yourself being sad or frustrated at the problems and you cannot overcome, and those times greatly outnumber the times that you feel positive, energized, and motivated by the other person, that's not a good sign, right? And do you want to talk about that negativity that how eventually it's sort of like you rubbed off of that? And it starts yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I feel like there are people out there, and I'm like that too. There are people out there that get a lot of fulfillment out of being able to, to persevere through really tough times. Like being able to take a problem within a relationship and make it work is a very fulfilling thing to do. I find that when you talk about that, like if you spend more time being sad about it. It's hard for someone like me when I'm in that situation to think that the bad times are too much, like the percentage of bad times are more because when finally something works, then the good, even though maybe it is 10% of your time, but that 10% feels so much better (laughs) because you earned it. And I think that's like the hard part that comes out of like what I experienced through that. I think But what I realized at the time was that, yes, like some things that could change, but over time, there were things that I I really couldn't, like no matter how hard I tried, like even though I was getting a lot of really good, I guess, like happy times in that 10%, coming out of the relationship now, I realized that Tony had a lot of negativity. I always knew that he was a negative person. He considered himself an extremely negative person. And I always thought that I would be positive enough that I thought it would never rub off on me. And the thing is with Tony is that he he never tried to put that negativity or bring me down in any way. He was always very supportive of my career and everything that I did. But what I realized is that because he was always super negative about himself, it eventually rubbed off on me anyways. Like watching him struggle with being able to pursue what he wanted to pursue in life rubbed off on me in a way that like I started to compromise to help him feel better in, in some instances as well. Like, uh, like I was making a lot more money than he was. And I often felt insecure because I felt like I was emasculating him. And a lot of that insecurity, I guess, and that negativity eventually rubbed off on me for sure. I think as soon as I left that relationship, I didn't realize how negative I was until I started to reflect a lot more and like be more positive and hang out with a lot more positive people 
it's definitely something that I look for in a in a future partner. And, and this is one of the points I want to highlight, which was as an outsider observing Eliza's relationship, I noticed that, you know, when she's with Tony, um, she'd be really, really happy, but that would be about like 10% of the time. But then 90% of the time she'd be worried and anxious. And eventually that anxiety kind of overrode this other aspect mm-hmm. and it kind of consumed the relationship. So if you are in a position where you find yourself don't get me wrong. I agree with Eliza. Like, like problem solving in a relationship is inevitable. And it is, it is, it is a key to sustaining a relationship because if you never overcome problems, you can never sustain any relationship with anyone. But there comes to a point where, and perhaps this is an indication that you need to work on yourself before you get into a relationship with anyone else. But if you find this anxiety, this constant worry consuming you, then it could be a sign that it's not a good fit or that you or him or her, like either one of you is not ready to be in a relationship mm-hmm. with each other. Exactly. I know Lily used to tell me that all the time is like, you need to work on yourself before you (laughs) enter a relationship. I agree with that to a certain extent. I also feel like when it comes to, especially to, to people like Lily and I, is that working on ourselves is this continuous thing all the time Mm -hmm. that maybe we just need someone who's really good at adapting to people who are constantly diving into change all the time as well. I think that's something I've, I'm kind of considering as well. I'm single as hell right now. I'm not dating at all. I'm taking COVID and all of this like super seriously. I think, I think since moving out of the apartment too, like a lot has, has changed. Um, but obviously Lily and I still like hop on calls or we were having wine nights at one point before lockdown became even more crazy, but like as soon as we like come together and we start talking again, it's like old times all the time. And that's like, that's an adult relationship. You you aren't going to, it's rare. It's rare to find that for sure. <laughs> no, that's, that's really nice. When you were saying like, I'm single, I was about to say, guys, hop on it. <laughs> like I'll, I'll attach her like Instagram after this call so you can get in touch with her. <laughs> oh my God. She's a, she's a terrific woman to date. And if, especially if you're a listener in Toronto, please feel free to. Uh, oh my God, don't. Don't Slide into our DMs. But you, you got to be a, a power lifter. You got to be fit. You got to be tall. You Because Eliza's got all these requirements. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm oh kidding. yeah. I, I think she's learned over time to value more of like the intrinsic qualities. That's what makes a guy really attractive. You want to talk about, you want to talk about that? Like, what are you looking for in your next partner? Oh my God. You know what? Um, When the lockdown restrictions were a little bit more loose, I took major advantage of that to go date a lot (laughs) and meet people in parks, like six feet apart on like two ends of a towel, like on the ground, like picnicking. Like I, I met a lot of guys, but what I realized is that like, there can be guys that meet all these intrinsic requirements, you know, super motivated, introspective, very positive, all these things. But if you're not physically attracted to them, that you're just friends, it's such a hard balance to strike, <laughs> like between like the physical and like the the mental components as well. So I still have a very strong attraction to very buff, like very strong, like guys who I know go to the gym and do more than just cardio. When I see that a guy has packed on muscle, <laughs> I'm actually looking for someone who yeah, who can push me. Like, I actually want someone who I feel like is, you know, I'm not trying to say like, I put myself like on a, on a hot, like I'm, I'm all like, I'm the shit and all this stuff. But like, I still want someone who, you know, cares enough about themselves to put on some muscle, be really, really active. Um, it's because I am really, st- I'm stronger than your normal 
5'2 Asian girl. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if we should put this in the podcast, but it's like the physical I mean, aspect is so gets key. real. We got to put it in, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I like really strong guys, really strong guys that make me feel safe. I think I really liked Tony because of that primal aspect, because he was someone who was built um, a lot bigger. And like every time he would hug me, I'd feel really, really safe. I still want that. It doesn't feel good when it's a guy who I feel like I'm the one that can protect them and they are not the one that can protect me. Like I still like that very traditional dynamic between like a man and woman in, in that sense. Like I don't mind like other aspects of it being different, but like in that physical aspect, I just want them to be really strong because I am. (laughs) Okay. Who's, who's down for some kinky shit. Yeah. But what about you? Have you now with like, you know, oh. us being both ridiculously single. Oh, wow. Okay, you reveal that. So I guess like most people who are listening do not know that I, I am single. Yes, yes, I am. I've been single for a very, very long. Like Eliza would always come home and she would like bring these like dating stories. And I'll be like, oh my God, that's just so exciting. Because I, I have zero romance in my life. So like I feed off of <laughs> Like Here's the thing I, I realized, right? Um, Like, first of all, a relationship cannot be forced. Um, I think as humans, we all desire a companion, like you said. And and I, a lot of people think, my parents think I don't want to be in a relationship or I'm anti-marriage. And that's really not the case. I just think, I just think some things cannot be forced. And and I would rather mm. take the time to, to really work on myself and things that I do have control over. I'm not saying I'm against dating. I think absolutely you should go out and date. I just think right now it's not the safest time to do so. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, maybe after the pandemic, I'll, I'll, get back and I just think I still have a lot of things I want to solidify in my career and things like that that might take away time from dating so I want to figure that out first and then I'll slowly ease into it but hearing Eliza's story gives me a lot of hope because she always has these like really really exciting dating stories (laughs) I think despite like COVID and, and lockdown and not being able to travel I actually think I had a really exciting summer because I got to rediscover what it's like to to date or and and sort of rediscover this new part of myself that I've grown since living with Lily and and being a whole different person and being out there. I have a lot more confidence dating nowadays, but like almost to the point where like I just don't want to swipe anymore because I, I I am in this mindset too where I just feel like, yo, your girl's got school and full-time job. Like yeah. I got I have classes. You need to really be in alignment with what I'm looking for. But because I've always seen myself as like a relationship person, a really hard conclusion that I came to during lockdown um, is that I'm not in a mindset to look for a, a, a life partner. Now, us living apart more so and, and me, you know, diving into growing my career a little yeah. bit more, um, like with school and really diving into it and just like discovering more parts of myself, I realized that there's a lot more things I need to heal and I need to work on for myself that I just can't do right now and have a committed relationship. Because when I'm in a relationship, you're going to bet your ass that I'm going to put 120% of my committed. time. Yeah, I'm committed. I am so invested in a relationship but okay I, but like having said that though are hot guys allowed to dm you like after this show like after i mean I'm, I'm not gonna lie like i still have a hinge like i deleted bumble but i still have a hinge profile that i just have open but i i don't actively go on it too much i just feel like we've talked about this too like 
I want to date someone who's in their best like yeah. state. Like if, if I'm looking for a life partner, there's someone who ideally is like, you know, very settled in their career. They have a lot of accomplishments. They're able to take time and energy, like mental capacity and actually put the effort into a relationship. And they're serious. They're serious about it. Like adult relationships, man, so different from when we were younger. Like I just wanted a nice guy. Like the criteria has elevated (laughs) to like a a new stage. Like, and when we're in a pandemic and people are losing their jobs, everyone's mental health is a little bit all over the place. Like I just feel like we're all not in our best state to be looking for such, like to be making such um, important decisions, like a life partner right now. Like I want to be the most healthiest, like, like my mindset to be like a lot better. Cause yes, the pandemic is, is getting to, to all of us in terms of mental health. For sure. But like, also I just have other things that I want to prioritize. And I just know that when I'm in a relationship, I will always make time for my significant other. And that's just hard to do right now and who knows I mean I'm I'm always keeping the door open and the possibility that you know there is that option hence why I still have my hinge profile but yeah yeah. and for listeners who are on hinge like how do they find you (laughs) 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 please don't look for me (laughs) (laughs) well what well what if we have like eligible bachelors listening to the show who are like you know fit all the check off all the boxes (laughs) they want to talk like Eliza's a great woman I want to get in touch with her and like affection for her like, yeah when we all get vaccines maybe we'll talk <laughs> yeah, I do want to ask you though like so coming out of this relationship and going into your next relationship how how are you going to find that balance that you've you've always tried to achieve in a relationship yeah that's 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 a really great question I think well one I now it needs to be a two-way street like I I definitely feel like in my last relationship I was doing most of, I don't know, quote unquote, the grunt work, the one that had the most issues with their relationship. I mean, poor Tony was like, everything's great. Everything's fine. But what he needs in a relationship is literally like 5% of what I need a relationship. Like I want deep connection, long conversations, being able to explore each other's minds, all this stuff. And then he was just like, I just, I just want to, I want a warm body. (laughs) Like I want a girl who's nice. Yeah, I just want to lie down. I just want to lie down. Okay, I want to lie down. Yeah, like his requirements are very basic, but I had a lot more requirements. So I think like to find that balance, I don't know, like if you're meant to be with someone, it should feel a lot easier than what it felt like in in my thing. I, I do think that if you both like have communicated that you both prioritize the relationship, right? you didn't have to feel like, a constant struggle, I guess, to find time. But yeah, if I if I were to enter another relationship, I'm just hoping that that other person is in, in a state where they have time to commit to a relationship. I'm trying to be a mo- I'm trying to be a lot more kinder with myself when it comes to the idea of balance. I think when people talk about work life balance or relationship balance and all that stuff, balance is very subjective. I'm optimistic that I'll find that balance with the right person who's willing to put in the same kind of work. I think so. And and you have to have had this trajectory in order to, to reach that, that level of wisdom and to achieve that. Balance, oh yeah. Right? Oh, hundred percent. I would have thought like, no, you got to put in all the work all the time. It's going to be hard, but it's just like, you know, like, but you got to grind through it. You got to treat 
your relationship, the way you treat work, like, <laughs> it's just, yeah, I mean, I don't, don't get me wrong. Yes, I agree. You should work on your relationship, but I think the right relationship should feel effortless and in the sense that you're both aligned. So even though when you were, when you're working on the problem, I always give this analogy, how do you know you're in the right relationship? No matter what the problems are, you feel like you and your partner are on the same team, solving the same problem and not on opposite sides. You know what I mean? Like you're not enemies, you're partners trying to solve the problem together, not enemies creating problems. When you Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the another lesson that I, I learned from all of this was always just have a check-in with your significant other and ask them about where they see their life going, yes. what their aspirations are, what they want. Because if you don't do that check-in, both of you could be in your own minds thinking that you're both working towards the same thing. But what you don't realize if you don't communicate it to each other, maybe it could be that you both have kind of diverted and it, and it becomes a conversation. I'm not saying break up, but it's, it becomes a conversation like how do we both get onto the same path and ensure that we're aligned on on things. So that's also another thing that I realize is that I was so insecure about the relationship that I was too scared to ask at some points what he thought of me, That's where right. our relationship was. It was that fear that we weren't in alignment that I kept trying to shut from my brain because I didn't want things to end. I wanted to, I was clinging on to what was good instead of laying on the table what was bad. We weren't aligned. And I think it's because both of us were holding something in this whole time. I thought I was the only one that was holding something in and feeling insecure this whole time where it turned out he was too. So uh, open communication. People say that all the time, but do they actually really do it? The hardest conversations are sometimes the conversations that you actually really, really need to have. Truth bombs destroy. Oh, so, oh my God. Like legit. <laughs> Learn from my mistakes. It's coming out. <laughs> You're just missing a glass of wine and then the more will come. Yeah. But, um, Okay, listeners, um, thank you so much for tuning in today to Make Peace Not Be. It was a very long episode with one of my closest friends, Eliza, and one of my adult friends. Yeah, when we're together, this is a never-ending conversation. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I, I guess that's it. Um, any questions from your side, Eliza, before we, or, or any comments? Not questions. Any, any last words? Any, any last word, uh, last piece of advice for your listeners? No, I think I just want to end it with just saying like how absolutely thankful I am to have met you, Lily. And I think, I think it is honestly such a life changing experience. And I don't think I would have survived that breakup as well as I did if it wasn't for you, but also a lot of other things in my life. So I am very, very grateful to have met you. Well, the feeling is mutual. I'm also extremely grateful to have met you. And that's exactly why we're doing this podcast. Because Eliza and I, we feel so, so, so blessed to have found each other. And I feel like in movies, a lot of the times, you know, love is romanticized. But friendships are are really discussed or not to that uh, that that extent. But from what I've seen, this friendship has shaped me more than any relationships I could have had with any guy. Oh, 100%, 100%. There's so much emphasis on just like this romantic kind of love. But man, like these kind of friendships are just as rare and as hard to find and they should be cherished and spoken about a lot more as well. I totally agree. I wouldn't be the person that I am today without Eliza's support and all her. Same. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm so grateful. I'm hashtag blessed. <laughs> Yo, hashtag blessed every single day. 
Like, this is a lifelong journey, girl. You're and in I'm, it with me. <laughs> I'm going to be the bridesmaid at your wedding. Although I'll, by then I will no longer be a maid, probably like an old maid. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, not, I'm, not, I'm not, okay, I'm not an old maid, but I'll be an old person. <laughs> no, no. Okay, may, maybe you won't make me wait that long. Maybe I'll, I'll be. <laughs> yeah, 2020 has taught me that things can change really, really fast. So who knows? <laughs> absolutely I'm, I'm really excited to see what life has in store for you Eliza and uh same yeah a lot of exciting things I don't want to put it back out there in the air we might cause another statement starting another pandemic I'll just end it here just because this thing is never gonna end we just have too much fun talking with each other so guys thank you so much for tuning in today and don't don't forget to subscribe. Okay, you know what? I'll let my outro do the work. It's, it's, it's <laughs> time. Okay, subscribe, bye. like, <laughs> yes. comment. Yes, share yes. the love, share the peace. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> okay. All right, that's a wrap. I hope you liked today's episode and found it helpful. Remember, you can watch the video version of this episode on my YouTube channel, Make Peace Not Beef. Please don't forget to subscribe and rate for more exciting content down the road. Your support is my creative juice. If you have any questions or comments, please head over to my social media on Twitter, Instagram at MakePeaceNotBeef or shoot me an email at lily at MakePeaceNotBeef.com. That's L-I-L-L-Y. Feel free to check out my website, MakePeaceNotBeef.com for more information. Alrighty, peacemakers, I'll see you in the next episode.